Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. On this episode of Box Talk, I chat with Greg Mack, sales expert at Mad Lab. Greg hasn't always been in sales training, though. In fact, he worked on a nuclear submarine at one point in his life. He shares his story and how he got into the fitness industry, which eventually led him to sales training. In terms of sales, Greg has a lot of advice. He speaks on what to do about the fear of sales and how to answer the question, how much is it? Greg also shares on his system of stroke, reverse, nurture, as well as the difference between aggressive selling and assertive selling. I hope you learn as much in this episode as I did. Now, here's my interview with Greg Mack. All right, everyone. Hey, welcome to this episode of Box Talk. I'm your host, Heather Hartman, and I'm I'm the editor of Box Pro Magazine. And I'm here today with your sales expert, uh, Greg from Mad Lab. Greg, thank you so much for being here today. Can you go ahead and just say, hey, introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit of your story, how you came to exist in the fitness space? Great, Heather. Uh, Thank you for having me on the podcast today. I'm certainly honored and privileged to do so. And uh, share some of my history and background in the industry and uh, the sales part of what I do. Uh, a lot of folks seem to be interested in that, making money, right? Uh, Got to make money in this industry. And so sales is where it all begins. Um, and so I've been in the exercise field now for 30 years, um, professionally, full-time. And um, my private practice outside of the sales training and consulting I do is I'm a medical exercise specialist, so I work with uh, individuals who have primarily uh, neuromusculoskeletal problems and motor control issues to help them get the benefit of exercise. I've been working in the medical fitness space uh, pretty much my entire career. Um, Having been involved in sports my whole life, uh, exercise and moving my body has just been something I do. And uh, I had the fortunate uh, process of going into the U.S. Navy after my freshman year at Ohio State University. I was a mechanical engineering undergraduate major and was also looking at um, becoming a commercial diver. I was interested in scuba diving at the time. I got certified at 16 years old to be a scuba diver. Really loved that. And so I was looking at the Navy SEALs and some different programs, commercial dive programs. And um, while I was in college and someone had mentioned to me maybe the U.S. Navy because it was hard to find a commercial dive training program. Um, and so I went to the recruiter and he found that I was an engineering major and I ended up um, qualifying for their nuclear engineering school and graduated uh, with an emphasis in mechanical engineering, served on board a fast attack nuclear submarine um, stationed out of Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and also did uh, become a qualified Navy diver. And that's uh, really the first time I had to stay in shape professionally. Outside of that, I was exercising you know, just because I liked exercise and was involved in sports and athletics, hung out with people that liked exercise. But as a Navy diver, I had to stay in shape physically to, to meet my physical readiness requirements. And so became more serious then. And uh, along the way, to make a long story short, um, I decided to switch careers and, and get into the exercise field and um, use my engineering background extensively, of course, uh, as I apply exercise and mechanics to the body to change it. But uh, yeah, that's uh, some quick history. I attended um, some early workshops put on by IDEA. I don't know if you guys are familiar with IDEA out there, the IDEA organization, American Council on Exercise, attended some workshops early on. We're talking about 
1990, 91, long time ago. And uh, they were saying in the workshops that uh, the, the researchers were saying, hey, you know, the baby boomers coming up, they want their medical care coordinated with their exercise programming. So I thought that made sense to me, uh, dealing with health care. And so um, I started working with doctors and formed a company called Physicians Fitness and uh, have been doing that ever since. Worked in a wide variety of exercise settings, um, box gyms, uh, private studios, hospitals, outpatient physical therapy, chiropractic clinics, in homes, not really very many environments I haven't tried to do exercise in. So that's a rough background about where I'm coming from. Awesome, Greg. Wow, what a what a varied background. And actually, I have been told about your nuclear submarine uh, time of life. And I was told to ask about that because they were like, it's very interesting. Crazy. I got some crazy sea stories, that's for sure. I could tell them, but then I'd have to kill everybody because they're top secret, right? So I can't I can't do that. But uh, yeah, there was some crazy stories. One of the, yeah, one of the reasons I decided to get out um, among, among several, but, uh, and you can read about this, and I think Wikipedia has the story. The USS Swordfish, SSN 579, was the whole number we were um, sinking on fire off the coast of Pearl Harbor uh, after a nuclear incident. So I thought, this is rather dangerous. What am I doing? And so <laughs> I said, this might not be what I want to do. So. So you took on another dangerous field, which is sales mm. training. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, initially, yeah, initially it was a dangerous, scary place, right? Because, um, you know, I just wanted to show people exercise and health and wellness stuff, right? And and I started to realize, wait a minute, you know, people aren't just banging down the doors and calling me up, giving me their credit cards. Um, and my father was a professional salesman with Ross Labs, Abbott Labs, and so I was exposed to the idea of selling and, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and make money and do all that stuff. And, and so I started kind of self-teaching uh, my, my self-sales and sales process and reading books and going to seminars and workshops. And, and I always just thought of selling as this necessary evil I had to do in order to do the thing I love to do, right, which was help people feel good uh, and healthy. So. Hmm. And I think a lot of our owners, our, our business owners who are listening to this can relate with that necessary evil kind of mindset that you have. And I just think that's interesting that you've, you know, that your love for fitness and helping people got you into sales training. And I think that speaks to how important it is. Um, and I guess, I guess I would love to kind of talk about that a little bit because I know there are some big challenges that our, our affiliates who are listening have to overcome in sales that you've probably overcome, Greg, and now that you train people in with Mad Lab. Um, can you maybe speak to maybe some of the biggest challenges you often see in your, you know, sales training calls with people? Um, maybe some of the stuff that you're like, yeah, like this is kind of typical or stuff that you've even experienced, like having to overcome that fear of sales. Mm. Yeah, Heather, that's uh, that's the place, right? That's the rubber meets the road. I, I think fundamentally, and uh, you know, and I go over this in the coursework uh, that I teach, is uh, there's really an internal philosophical shift that occurred, um, uh, an emotional shift, when I realized that the selling part really wasn't 
a necessary evil at all, but that it was critical to me understanding what this person, this stranger that's talking to me and possibly thinking about giving me money to work with me, all the good information I needed in order to make decisions and find out what to do came from that interview process, came from the sales process. So um, once I realized, oh, wait a minute, this isn't some separate thing. It's actually giving me critically important information that I need so so I can help this person. And, um, I, you know, I attended uh, Sandler Sales Institute and I use some of that information in the background uh, information called transactional analysis. Uh, so I, I, I dug in to try to really figure out the psychology of this process. And, and the coursework is based on that along with trying to understand the modern consumer's perspective and approach to a sales transaction. And that, and then I realized it's fundamentally broken and, and it's probably the one transaction we have with other humans where we feel as consumers perfectly justified lying, withholding information and protecting ourselves because, you know, sales and the sales process is perceived by both parties the sales professional and the consumer is a rather negative experience. It's, it's not fun. Um, and so we go into an entire back background and philosophical and psychological deep dive and really understanding that so that we can shift our mindset to wait a minute. This is really the most important conversation I could have because it's the foundation of the relationship. This is where it starts in the sales transaction. And so that would be the first recommendation is, is, and that's what I do in the coursework is trying to get um, exercise professionals and, and owners to shift the way they even think about the process. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, I love how you even are reframing that idea of like, no, this is our, this is our, our foundational conversation that needs to be had in order to have a future relationship with this person. I love that shift. And I don't think I've, I've heard that <laughs> ever from affiliate owners. I think the industry is professionalizing a little bit more now now. Um, but it definitely is, it's hard. It's a hard thing, especially with people who are like, but I just, oh, I don't want to do it. So, um, and with that, Greg, I am kind of curious, like, how did you come to be with Mad Lab in terms of sales training? Kind of, can you just give us a little brief history on um, how you came to be with them and, and be this trainer of sales? I mean, it sounds like you just recognize the importance of it and now you're doing something about that. Yes, uh, I, I've been with the Mad Lab group now for, I don't know, five or six years, uh, maybe longer. And I was introduced to them through another colleague of mine who had been through some of my previous coursework. And they teach a, you know, 108-hour course and kind of what I do practice-wise around, around the world to different practitioners. And he had been exposed to that. And he was working in some capacity with Mad Lab and Craig Patterson and the crew and they were asking or talking about the need for some sales training and he recommended me. So um, I had a conversation with you know, Craig and, and I think Jeremy Jones at the time and maybe someone else told him about my philosophy and the approach and, and how I think about it and how I teach it and some, some of the content and they seemed to like it. Uh, threw me in the fire. I, I think I did a live course as, as kind of a test to see if I knew what I was doing and uh, they loved it. Um, and so I've been helping them ever since. So uh, that's been interesting and exciting to get to know this particular niche 
of the exercise field um, and helping them understand because it. it's it's really for any profession uh, it's the same process really uh, you know I just have customized it and since I understand the world of exercise and fitness you know I can speak to that more specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is funny. It's like when you break it down, when you break sales down, it's the same. I mean, you are building basically relationships to learn everything about this person to help them in the future. That's what you're doing in the first that first that first conversation. It's really not selling, and I hate the word because of the history and the and the negative connotations associated with the stereotyping associated with that. And and really, what I'm trying to get you know, professionals to understand owners and, and coaches is it's just an interview. Really. It's just a, it's a consultive decision-making interview and a no is just as legitimate as a yes. If at the end, everybody understands what's happening and all the information is disclosed and it's an honest, truthful conversation. And you might get to the end and realize this isn't a good fit for me or you. And that's okay. Right. This idea that, you know, every person you talk to must be sold. You must get their money is ridiculous and foolish. Mm-hmm. And it's nonsensical because it's not possible. And so somehow it, with the idea of quota and pressure and, um, and you need to make money. I mean, you need people for sure. Uh, that That's where the negative feelings associated with it with it are. I mean, if there's a lot of you know, empathy, right? I mean, I don't like being in a sales situation, high pressure sales and forced to make a decision. And so so why would I want to do that to somebody else? Right. And so um, I understand that customer empathy, which is a, which is a problem uh, psychologically, because we're just there professionally to do what? Help them make a decision to see if there's a fit between where they're at and what they want and what I do. And that's it. And it's either a fit or it's not. And if it's not, move on. If it is, well, then do the next step. That's it. Don't make it more complicated than that. Hmm. Yeah, and and I'm I'm sure some of our owners will listen to this and be like, well, that's all fine and dandy, Greg. <laughs> and they they hear that and they're like, but but I I need this and I need, like you said, I need that money. Like, so what what would you speak to that? I mean, because there's there's fear there, there's anxiety, there's you know that like you said that high stakes, that pressure. So what would you speak to that? How would you encourage affiliates maybe? Um, go into conversations with the correct mindset or how would you encourage them to start, you know, maybe shifting their mindset of sales to get to what you're talking about being like a yes is a yes and a no is a no and no's are okay. Yeah, well, uh, we've put together an entire systematic process from, you know, the, the emotional mental part, the psychology part of the, of the coach and the owner, which is the most important part because they they do have to overcome and face these fears of rejection and uh, and these very deep seated emotional ties to um, really as you were raised as a child right don't interrupt strangers uh, you know don't don't make people feel uneasy don't put pressure on people right? you got all these things in our heads that that cause us trouble but you know it's no different than you know, you as a coach or an owner working with a brand new exerciser who's who's afraid of exercise. And, and what do you do? You start with the little steps, right? First that you do this and first you do that. And so, you know, we talk about what what should you and should you not be saying and doing when somebody calls you, when somebody walks into your box, when somebody emails you. 
how should you handle that? If you don't have a specific strategy or system, uh, you'll be subject to the consumer's system and their system will beat you to death because they're real good at it, whether it's formally or informally um, put together because they've dealt with so many salespeople in the past, right? And then they, they bullet you with a ton of questions. How much is it? When can I start? What's your schedule? Can I cancel, right? They just ask you all these questions. And so if you don't have a strategy for dealing with their system, their questions, um, unfortunately you'll lose and, and they'll spend a bunch of your time getting all kinds of stuff from you, what we call candy for free. And they'll walk away and, and leave you sitting there going, what happened? Right? Mm -hmm. And so, so we teach fundamental skills. And one of them is called the stroke reverse nurture, which I got from the Sandler Sales Institute, which is when someone asks you a question, you have to ask that question right back to them. Mm -hmm. So we have to stop being answering kiosks where you're just this talking head answering questions. How much is it? 50. When can I start? Tomorrow. What's your class schedule? It's online, right? And, you know, this is this is how you're interacting. Uh, it's not going to work out well for you or the consumer. And this is this is the real problem that I identified was the consumer's defensive strategy for dealing with salespeople. And that's what happens when a consumer calls a coach or a an owner, they don't think of them as a coach or an owner. They think of them as a salesperson they got to deal with. And so they they start using their system, which is designed to protect them from you taking their money and then you know, being vulnerable and getting the short end of the stick, which they probably have had that experience in the past. And unfortunately, their highly defensive system, the emotional wall they build and the distrust they inherently have in the process um, prevents honest, truthful communication. And so the consumer doesn't know that that they can't even get what they really need because they're not sharing what they really need. And the consumer has turned exercise into a commodity. And the consumer thinks about personal training or coaches or memberships or nutrition plans as a la carte menu items like Amazon and the coach or the owner, they're incidental. And you're a shelf item to be purchased, a banana out of a bunch of bananas. And so the commoditization of exercise and fitness has really hurt the exercise professional because the consumer doesn't look at coaches and gym owners necessarily that way. That this is a professional relationship with a high level of expertise and technical capability to help me manage my health, not just in the next month or two, but for the rest of my life, and that I need someone who's an expert in this field so I don't hurt myself and so that I make the proper changes when I need to, right? The consumer doesn't think about that. So you need a strategy. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you got to go in a little bit prepared for war, <laughs> prepared for war with the consumer a little bit to understand, like, this is what I have to do and have that strategy. And, I, and, and Greg, you brought up um, one of the points I want to ask you about, because I know a lot of times affiliates don't always know how to answer this or how to do it well. And that's answering the question, how much is it? Because I think that's a question that everyone asks. They always want to know the price. Um, can you give any advice or tips maybe 
maybe how do you coach affiliates and, and coaches who are, you know, selling the consumer or starting a relationship with the consumer and that, you know, that consumer is like, how much is it? How, how do they answer that? How do they answer that well? It's such a ridiculous question. How much is it? How much is what? Your health? I, you know, how much Priceless. is this going to cost right, to do what? Yeah. How much is it going to cost to lose weight? Uh, $10,000. You know, <laughs> this is how irrational the consumer is about the process, right? And so you got a couple of approaches. Now, we teach the stroke reverse nurture, which is you validate every question. Right. So we're not going to we're not going to be defensive. We just understand the nature of this beast, the nature of this animal. Right. And so we're going to be relaxed and understand they're going to start asking crazy questions out of order. Because at some point they need to know some number. But the first two or three questions out of their mouth, how much is it? I, it doesn't make any sense. And so we're going to we're going to teach you to say, I really appreciate that question or that's a good question or that's an important thing to know, right? You need some kind of simple validating question so or statement so that, you know, they can relax and you can tell them, hey, it's important what you're saying, but then you're going to ask a question back at them. You're going to say, are you familiar with our prices? Have you ever spent money like this on a similar service? Is price your most important consideration? so that they're answering questions, not you. The person who's asking the questions is in charge. <laughs> Make no mistake about that, right? Now your second option is what we call give them candy, but candy costs a question. So any feature or benefit of your product or service is candy. And you know we call it breaking the pinata, right? Your customer, potential customer wants to come in and bust you open, get all of your candy, all of your features and benefits and run away and take stock of it later, right? And we, that's not helping. And so if you do give them a piece of information, you're gonna ask them a question about that. Do you like it, right? Do you like Reese's Cups? Do you like um, candy bars? Do you like chocolate, right? So if you're gonna give them something, you gotta ask a question about that. And so you've got a couple of different strategies. So I don't wanna teach people to be evasive, uh, and non and non cooperative, but you've got to turn everything into this process of asking a question, like it professional interviewers do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have the the stroke, which is validate every question, and then the reverse is ask a question back to them. Is that correct? correct. Yeah. And then what's what's the nurture part? Is that what is that? You got to do what you do. How do you know you're nurtured, right? You, you people look at you in the eye. Um, people repeat back what you say so that you write active listening so that you show them, hey, I'm hearing you. I'm listening to you. And body and vocal quality is important. These are all um, nurturing behaviors, right? Writing down what they're saying. Uh, that's always flattering when someone's writing down what you're saying because they might think it's important. And so these are all things that we would teach how to how to actually behave in a nurturing way because the difference between being aggressive which is how most people experience salespeople, right aggressive well we want you to be assertive and assertion is nurturing behavior towards a particular end so while you're being very focused and moving this conversation as 
specific direction because you know where you want to go. I'm going to show you where you want to go. The way that you not come across aggressive is by nurturing behavior. And it's a skill. It's a competency. You have to learn how to do it on purpose and be authentic. Right. And so we call it strategic authenticity. So, Yeah, I really like that distinguishment between aggressiveness and assertiveness. I, I like that. I've never quite heard it that way before. So that's awesome. Um, and what a, I mean, it sounds like a great strategy. <laughs> sounds like some really good strategies. Um, that, that's awesome, Greg. Thank you. And I did want to also speak to because so in, in prep for this podcast, I watched one of your uh, videos I found, I think on Facebook, you're standing up in front of people, you're talking all about this, how much is a question and all that. And, and one thing you, you spoke on was knowing your value and the fear of sales. Um, and how and I know a lot of gym owners, um, especially in this industry, like are like, don't think that they have the value. And so they always want to discount or like you said, give away that candy. Because um, they're like, oh, you know, I need to like, I don't think I'm valuable. And I almost like need to prove that, like, I'm giving you good candy. Um, and, and they're honestly just afraid to sell on something that they're not sure about. So can you maybe kind of speak to those things, the just knowing your value and the fear of sales that kind of uh, are, are prominent in this industry? It's tough. Again, it's, it's the, you know, the, the commodity mindset. And the, the, unfortunately, the consumers, I don't say be, they're losing, they think they're winning, right? Uh, this idea of, you know, about brow beat you down to the lowest price, like you're they're going to Walmart or, or something. Um, and and so yeah, if you don't have a value system as a coach or an owner, uh, or you, you don't value yourself professionally and what you can bring to the table, that I'm sorry you feel that way. You shouldn't. I I don't know what to t- tell you about that. Uh, what you do as a, I mean the th- this is remarkable to me, right? We exercise and wellness properly uh, delivered and appropriately dosed is probably the most powerful medicine known. And again, not to take away the incredible things modern medical professionals do, they do incredible things. But if you want a high quality of life, even if you have diseases and problems, as long as you're cleared by a doctor, exercise is the winner. I mean, it's it's incredible what it can do. I mean, that's why gym owners and coaches are exercising themselves, right? They, they know the value of it, right? And so that's why I do it. Even though I don't want to all the time, I do it. Because, you know, I'm thinking about my, in, at this point, my 60s and 70s and 80s and what I'm doing now in my 50s matters. What I did in my 30s matters. Uh, the consumer's short-sighted about this. And so, and they don't understand the complexities of exercise and the technical aspects of how to employ exercise in a way that stimulates you but doesn't hurt you, um, which is a tricky business, and especially in the face of problems and individual nuances. Uh, and so uh, you are valuable. You could be one of the most valuable players in healthcare long term. You know, most people don't have long term relationships with their surgeon or their, their, um, their dentist or they don't see their dentist very often, hopefully, right? Or maybe their family doctor, but you know, this, this relationship between a coach and a, and an individual um, extends for years and years if it's done properly. And what you do to help somebody in their thirties, forties, or fifties transcends into their 
60s and 70s and 80s, if they live that long, so profoundly uh, that if you don't if you don't see the value in what you do, I don't know how else to explain it to you. You're valuable in your community. Your community needs you to get out there and proselytize this message of exercise. And people know. I, I doubt you could do a, an interview on the street with anybody who says, hey, have you heard about exercise, how good it is for you? Most people know that they should be exercising. They just don't know really how or what to do, or maybe they've tried and it, they got hurt, right? And it didn't work very well for them, or they picked the wrong kind of exercise for their particular needs. Uh, and so this is why you as an expert um, need to feel that way. You're an expert and and you can benefit someone's quality of life profoundly. That has incredible value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thanks, Greg. I, I think that's important that our listeners hear that. Um, I think that's important to hear that encouragement even to be like, okay, like you are valuable. Cause I think sometimes it's just repetition. It's repeating that over and over to ourselves and understanding like, yes, as affiliate owners, you are valuable as affiliate coaches, you are valuable. So, um, no, that that's awesome. Thank you for that. And then in terms of that, that fear, um, is it just doing it and, and just getting there and having those conversations? Yep. It's no, it's no secret. It's like getting on a bike. I, you know, I, you're going to fall off the bike, you know, just like when you're coaching your clients, you know, they're not going to do every lift, everything properly and they got to try it again. And uh, it's really, I, I, I believe it's, it's fundamental to how we're raised as, as children. Right. And, and that we want to be accepted we, we want to be loved. We want to be liked. We want to be part of the group. We don't want to be rejected. We don't. We want everyone to like us. We want to please people most of the time. Some of us don't care, but so. But most of the part, most most of us, you know, we want to do that. And so, you know, we have this sense of wow. If I talk to this person and they don't like me, then they'll reject me. And and this is called the identity role problem. Right. And that we attach our self, our, our individual self-esteem and the identity we have to these role responsibilities of meeting people and help them exercise. And and we're not trying to hire friends here. We're not trying to find friends. We're trying to find professional customers and clients. Right. Not that you can't be friendly, you know, but you've got to decide as a professional how deep you want to go here. Right. I mean, um, it's one thing to be friendly. It's another thing to be friends and i'm not i'm not trying to find friends professionally i'm just trying to find clients uh and so you know taking things personally like someone saying no i don't want to do this it doesn't have anything to do with you it really (laughs) so it's not about you at the personal level they either like it or they, they they don't it fits or it doesn't that's it you know, I just want to give the consumer um, the best shot and and having a an honest, truthful conversation about their real needs so I can determine if I can really help them or, or not. Uh, and so, again, it's reframing uh, the the mindset, the perspective, the, our own psychology and, and looking at yourself and saying, why am I afraid of this? What, have I, what do you have to lose? You've got nothing now. How, how could it? 
how could you possibly lose by saying, hey, you know, there's 15 companies here in my local one square mile radius. Why would it be a problem for you just to walk in one day and say, hey, how are you? I just want to let you know I'm a neighbor, business right around the corner, never took the time to introduce myself. Sorry about that. Just wanted to say hello and <laughs> introduce yourself. Here's the thing, you know, coaches and gym owners are in the people business. You need humans or you're not in business anymore. And so you must go talk to them. You must go say hello to them. Hello, human. How are you? I, what's happening? I, if you don't do that, I, you're just sitting in your in your box as a retail clerk waiting to take an order. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you speak to something that is very prevalent in the industry. And I I, I had a owner once write a blog for us about how typically those who own affiliates are. Um, a little more codependent and they fear you know that that rejection a lot and they want to make everyone happy it's just it's just seems to be kind of the mo of that owner it is and it's it's crazy i mean when you're speaking about where you're like it's you're right you're not going out to um get friends to come into your gym you're going out to get clients and people that you can serve and help in their health and wellness journey and i think you're right and it's reframing that mindset of like what are you going out and trying to do? Like, are you going out and trying to build yourself like a box of friends or are you trying to build yourself a box as a business? So I think you make some great points, Greg. Thank you for that. Um, and also, so we've talked about a lot of different things and I could, I could see some of our listeners being like, well, that's great, Greg. Where do I begin? Because you get a lot of good information and I'm sure a lot of people are probably thinking about their sales process right now and being like, there's some things I need to change. Where where would you recommend someone start um, start to shifting the sales process? Maybe where what's a good first step in order to um, have a have a good system in place for sales? Is this the time for a shameless plug? Shame, <laughs> right. Plug away, plug Shame, away. Right, we're trying to get clients. So Mad Lab and what I'm trying to I can't do sales consulting if I don't have humans. Right, so. Um, you got, I, I would say, you know, call Mad Lab, get a hold of Mad Lab. I mean, we've put this entire course online. It, it couldn't be more convenient. Um, we're going to help you go through it, you know, in eight, nine weeks. It's going to be cohort um, managed, and you can talk to your uh, colleagues along the way and, and do the system. It's right now offered, at, I think, a pretty darn ridiculous price. And so uh, you need training, just, just like your, your clients need training. You need training. Uh, you won't get more competent winging it. And so that's that's what I'd, I'd recommend. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. Shameless plug away. Um, okay. uh, and then, yeah, you're fine, Greg. So and and so on top of, you know, finding training, seeking out that training and not being able to just, you know, learn it off the cuff. Um, I always love to ask the question, if you could tell affiliate owners one thing today, like our listeners, our business owners who are listening, if you could tell them one thing, um, maybe encourage them in one thing, what would that be? Your community needs you. I think that's powerful. I think that's good. It, it, we have to believe that, don't we? I, if you don't believe that, what are you doing this for? I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, the, the statistics aren't good. 
I think mm -hmm. what 10, maybe 15% of the American population, North American population exercises at a level stimulating enough to actually, you know, improve and sustain health. Well, where's everybody else? You know, what's happening here? And that, and that number doesn't change very much. In fact, um, often that 10 or 15%, they just, they get bored. They just rotate around. I'll try orange theory. I'll try CrossFit. I'll try bodybuilding. I'm going to swim across the English channel. I'm going to try, you know, they just rotate around over the course of their lifetime. Again, not understanding that if they actually had a professional guide, um, they would probably get way more out of it, let alone how do we access the folks who are just scared to death or don't think exercises for them. Mm. You must go talk yeah. to them. You have to go yeah. talk. It's the one thing you can control. You you, you got to market, got to have your Facebook stuff, you got whatever you want to do print media wise, but that's all reactive. You just have to wait to see what happens. The one thing you can control is you getting out of the box, going somewhere where humans are and talking to them. You can control this. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good last piece of advice or one piece of advice, Greg, thank you. Um, Anything, anything new coming up for you? Anything ahead that you're excited about or wanted to share about? Uh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, well, again, the the, comp the other company I'm, I'm I own and work with called Exercise Professional Education, uh, where you know I, I offer continuing education exercise professionals around the world. Um, I'm starting to grow that some more and add more content to that, and I'm excited about what we're doing with Mad Lab and continuing to support um, exercise professionals and their and their development i mean as you know 30 years into this thing i i really feel like i'm at this place where look i i want to give back here i want to help support i've had a great career then you have a great career i love it and i want to help other professionals have great careers in this i mean it can be a great career it's so unfortunate to see so many who want to do it full-time but there's just they can't make money they, they can't make enough money and so giving them that balance of of that selling interviewing decision making skill set combined with the technical skills of how to actually deliver it you know you got to deliver the product well um that's kind of where i'm at now i want to keep growing in that direction and just helping uh, helping other professionals and my colleagues um, stay in the field mm. Yeah. Well, Greg, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's cool to know your story and and know where you've come from and where you are now and where you're going. I think that's awesome that this is what you're investing in. And it's cool that the change of the impact you're making. I truly believe those in the fitness industry, whether it's in sales capacity or education um, or even ownership of businesses are making impacts that can change the world they really can um so thank you thank you for your your sales advice today and, and to our listeners who have tuned into this episode guys greg had a lot of good stuff i mean gosh whether it was just the identity role po problem and how we're attaching you know your individual self-esteem to people to people and who are coming in or um whether it was his stroke reverse nurture um tips there's a lot that you can learn from this and a lot that you can even go and apply today um maybe it's you know learning to ask the question back to validate the question then ask it back or maybe it's um just just not being aggressive <laughs> being more assertive um but whatever it is 
I hope if you're listening, you've, you've taken the nugget and I really encourage you to go and apply that nugget because that nugget don't matter unless you do something with it. So Greg, hey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for giving us your wisdom and your advice and all your um, sales expertise. Um, <laughs> I really, really appreciate it. It's been great having you on the show. Again, it's been my privilege to be on the show. Thanks for asking me and uh, hopefully um, I'll run into some folks listening and we can talk and have some fun. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard, or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, thanks for dropping in.